this incredible organization that fights human trafficking that we love here at Forefront. I'm on the Young Professionals Board along with several other members of our community. I'm so proud of that. And at the time that I went out to this comedy night, my son was only four months old and he was having a lot of trouble with the whole bedtime thing. So I was really anxious to leave my poor husband at home alone on his own for the first time trying to do bedtime. But it was my first night out in months and I had planned to be home early just in case. And so the first woman comedian who gets up there to perform that night is a woman named Ophira Eisenberg. I have to give credit where credit is due. She gets up there and she starts her whole bit by saying, I'm just happy to be out tonight because I'm a new mom. And I, of course, thought everything she said was hilarious, but so did everyone else in the room. I promise you that no one was laughing as hard as I was. She went on to talk about how hard it is to be a new mom, to live in Park Slope, which is where I live as well. I just felt like it was exactly what I needed that night. And even though I left early and found out the next day from several of you that Jim Gaffigan and Mike Birbiglia showed up after I left, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what, though? Whatever, because Afira gave me... <laughs> Ophira gave me exactly what I needed that night. It was the gift I needed. And so speaking of Park Slope, it is a great neighborhood to raise kids in. I felt really supported being a new mom at times in my neighborhood. There was a day a few weeks ago when, again, my son was not sleeping, and I was heading out to the YMCA. And, you know, I was getting that feeling, that kind of fuzzy feeling that your body gets when it's starting to shut down after not sleeping for several nights in a row. You guys know that? It's awful. And I went to the mommy and baby yoga class, and I was just thinking to myself, oh, Lord, please, it would be so great if I could just see the pediatrician, if I just randomly bumped into her, for example, because I just needed somebody to kind of give me some support. I was too embarrassed to call the office. I didn't know what, I, what was I supposed to say, help me figure out how to get my baby to sleep. I don't know. I walk into the cafe after class, right? I love this stuff. And this woman with this bright, pretty smile lights up, and in my slow, sleep-deprived brain, I realize, oh my God, it's Dr. Ivy, <laughs> the pediatrician. <laughs> you would have thought she was a rock star, because in that moment, she absolutely was a rock star to me. And I don't even know if she said anything helpful. I just felt so encouraged by seeing her. And again, it was exactly that gift that I needed that day. And this is a phrase that I've been using a lot lately, that I've been given a gift. I don't know if it's just because I'm in a new season of life and maybe in those new seasons when you're still trying to get your grounding, you become a little more dependent on God, right? But I feel like what I'm really saying when I say that is that I felt God's presence in my life in those moments. Like I was being given exactly what it was that I needed, whether I realized it or not. And I shared those stories with Katie Willis, who's a fellow new mom who is dedicating her baby at second service today. And she pointed out to me that it was like I was being pastored in those moments, which I think is such a beautiful way to look at that. Because over the last few years, as I've learned what it means to be a pastor from all of you living and serving in this community, I've kind of come to an understanding that to pastor someone is to love them and to bring them into the presence of God. So when was the last time that you all had a moment like that? when you felt like you were just being handed exactly the gift that you needed in life right now. You know, maybe it's been a while, but when was the last time that someone said or did something that just felt exactly like what you were longing for, whether you realized it or not? When was the last time that you felt pastored? Fellow woman pastor Nadia Boltzweber, she wrote in her book, Accidental Saints, she said, I stumble into holy moments not realizing where I am until they are over. Love that. I love poorly than accidentally say the right thing at the right moment without even realizing it show tenderness when it's needed, and then turn around and think of myself way too often. 
That's the conundrum, right? That's what it's like to be messy, broken people living in community. Sometimes we get it right, sometimes we don't. Sometimes God uses us in ways that we don't even realize. Sometimes we find ourselves being blessed in moments that we never expected. And what does it teach you when you're living life in community? What does it teach you about yourself? What does it teach you about God to stumble into those holy moments with relationships with other people? So traditionally in the church, in the church calendar, this Sunday is known as Ascension Sunday, one of the last weeks in Eastertide. And next week will be Pentecost Sunday, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But today is a day when we read and are reminded of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, ascending into heaven after his resurrection. And it was only a couple of years ago that I really started to pay attention to this, to this story, and I love it. So I want to help you guys kind of paint a fuller picture of it for you, just in case you're like me. And I chose this passage in Acts because it sets us up really well for Pentecost Sunday, which is traditionally celebrated or, you know, uh, reflected upon next week. Um, because here in this story of Acts, following Jesus' ascension to heaven, it goes on to tell the earliest days of the church under the leadership of the apostles, working through the power of the Holy Spirit as a witness for the Lord from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And so the author who wrote Acts, he's also the same author of the Gospel of Luke. And Acts, at the very start here, it picks up where Luke leaves off. So the author is making these references to the accounts of who Jesus was and all that he began walking the earth. He makes reference to Christ's suffering, which is, the referrals to, uh, is a referral to the events of the trial in Jerusalem and the pain he endured through crucifixion. He refers to Christ being taken up to heaven, which is literally going to happen in just a moment. But before he talks about all that, he also references these apostles and that Christ showed himself to the apostles. And specifically here, he's talking about those 12 men. Well, at this point, it doesn't include Judas, the one who betrayed him. But he's talking about those men who were his community in the truest, fullest sense of the word. These are the men that he died for, and these are men who will later go on to, most of them will die for him as they're persecuted and building the church throughout the world. These are the men that he lived with and, and ate with and shared miracles with and, and witnessed incredible things with and went through in, insane hardship with um, and beautiful life-giving moments with as well. And it's all of this, this experience of knowing Jesus so intimately that's at the very heart of their testimonies of witnessing the resurrection and the ascension and all of this happening before their eyes and that very personal relationship that they have with Jesus that empowers them to go out and to build the kingdom of God and to build the church in its earliest days here on earth. And it's here in this first chapter of Acts that Jesus gives his command. He leaves these commanding instructions. He tells them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift, that gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. And it's here that we learn that Jesus wants his disciples' activity to be the result of and led by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that gift that he's re referring to, that gift promised from the Father. And he refers to it several times throughout the Gospels. And it gives them this gift of a po the power to be a witness. Here in Matthew 3, we see it descending upon Jesus. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit baptized Jesus and empowered him to teach and serve and show others what the kingdom of God looked like while he walked on earth. And now that he was leaving, he's leaving that same power to his disciples, to his apostles, and I believe to us today as well. 
as we keep going into the book of Acts in chapter two, we learn that that culminating mo- moment when the power descends is, is what we call Pentecost, about 10 days later when they're all sitting around a room waiting as they were instructed and this crazy dramatic thing happens and the, power, and the power of the Holy Spirit comes down. And I think what's so beautiful and amazing about it, and maybe some of you have experienced in this, this in your faith journey as well, but the dots kind of start to connect, right? they suddenly start to understand the prophets and the Old Testament and the scriptures and who Jesus really is as the Messiah and connecting the resurrection and the ascension and all of that starts to line up into this arc of justice that keeps the story going into the New Testament, right? And I believe continues to push that story still today through us. And it's that same gift of the Holy Spirit that's revealing itself in and through this community every time we allow the presence of God to be witnessed through our actions, through the way that we love and lead and disciple each other. Jim Rohner, one of our leaders on the AV team, sorry Jim, I'm scared you right there. <laughs> He's usually hiding in the dark in the back, but uh, he said this a couple of weeks ago and I love it, it just, it just articulates it so well. He said, I go to Forefront because I see God there. I hear God in between the words being preached from the front. I listen to God in the harmonies of voices and instruments melding together. I see God dancing in the aisles along with the parents and their small children. I feel God's joy in the smiles and laughter of congregants' meetings and greetings, and I've experienced God's love in the sympathies and struggles and tears and doubt. I cannot and will never fully grasp the entirety of what or who or how God is, but every week I see hints and signs and clues that have helped me to make sense of a power that is equally my creator, my redeemer, my hope, and my judge. Hints and signs and clues through community. Last week, we commissioned deacons into our community for the very first time, people like Grace and so many others, and it was this really powerful moment when these leaders stood up in front of our congregation at the end of second service and dedicated the next year of their lives to serving and pastoring and praying and loving others in this community. And then on Monday night, all the deacons got together with the staff to continue to pray and plan and organize. And as several people in the room shared that they just needed prayer because they were feeling overwhelmed by life right now, I was once again reminded of this text that we're studying today. Because the passage concludes as the apostles are staring longingly into the heavens after Jesus has ascended. And I cannot blame them because could you imagine what that must have been like? Here he was being lifted up, this cloud, uh, and, and being pushed into the clouds and pulled out of sight. And then suddenly these two men in white are standing next to them, angels, I guess. And they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? The same Jesus who's been, who's been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you saw him go into heaven. They were confused. They were trying to put the whole story together, trying to understand what was happening, trying to figure out, you know, is this, is this what it looks like to be redeemed? Is this, um, you know, when is Jesus going to come back? Is he going to be the king that we always thought he was going to be? But the angels are saying straight up, you got your directions. It's not for you to stand here wondering and waiting and trying to figure out when Jesus will come back. It's your job now to be the hands and feet of Christ, to usher in the kingdom of God in his place here on earth. You have work to do, so stop staring and get going. It's time for you to build this church, right? And it's a communal effort. The, books, the book of Acts and the entire New Testament, they're just filled with these letters and these words from one apostle to another, from one pastor to another, to encourage, to admonish, to remind each other and their communities to stay the course. It's really easy for us to get overwhelmed by life, for us to lose our vision and our mission of what we're, we've been called to do, but this is why we sit in rooms full of, of 
people in our community. It's why we have elders and deacons and lay leaders within our church. It's why we have friends and teachers to lift up our families because the task at hand is bigger than any one of us can accomplish on our own. And a friend of mine in ministry once said that it's when you feel completely overwhelmed and like you can't go on any further that the Holy Spirit really has its chance to work, to step in and fill in the gap. And sometimes that spirit shows up as a kind word or an email or something happening at the right moment. You know, sometimes it feels like a gift of a really great comedian or a pediatrician or a fellow new mom. What does the spirit look like and feel like in your life right now? How are you recognizing God's presence, how he's working in and through the people in your community today? And what ways are you feeling pastored by others? And what ways are you being called to be a pastor to someone else? Because each one of us has the ability to love people and to bring them into the presence of God. If only we choose to allow ourselves to be used in that way. You know, Eastertide is about to come to an end in a couple of weeks, and that culminates the Christian calendar for us for this year. And then we go into this time between uh, now and Advent that we call Ordinary Time. And it's the season where we are called to just embrace community, to serve, to pray, to figure out how it is that each one of us is called to grow and to serve and love others. And so I want to encourage you guys to consider, how are you being called to pastor others? How are you being called to let yourself be pastored by community during this ordinary time. A dear friend of mine in this community, Katie's husband, who I referred to earlier, Sean, he's someone who has pastored me on countless Sunday mornings and then also throughout the week. But he said this about Forefront. He said, I've lived in NYC for 11 years and been part of the Forefront family for almost 10 It's hard to overstate what this community has meant to me during that time. Truly, it's hard to imagine what my life would look like without it. When I arrived at Forefront, I didn't have much of a church background, but the story of Jesus and a community committed to grace, generosity, and justice was more than compelling. Since those days, my faith has been all over the map, and Forefront has always been a welcoming place where I felt safe and encouraged to doubt, ask questions, and even to lead. Faith isn't the only thing I have to thank Forefront for. It was here that I met my wife, my business partner, and all the friends that I now call family. My wife and I welcomed our first baby into the world last year, and our Forefront family blessed us with a whole new understanding of what community means as they showed up night after night to bring us hot home-cooked meals, visited with Katie while I was away, and simply showered us with love. Why Forefront? Because I can't imagine life without it. This is the best of what it means to live life in community, to journey with each other over the course of weeks and months and years, in and out of different seasons of life, hardships, joys, celebrations, to recognize and embrace the holiness in a home-cooked meal, and the way that we pastor each other simply by being present in our messy, authentic, true selves. We celebrate today with people like the Coseglias, with the Randalls, who are embracing what it means to raise their children in community. And we don't baptize babies here, we dedicate them. And I think it's an even more important day for us as adults than it is for the kids. Because it's on a day like this that our families are standing up here and they're saying, we need you to pastor us. We need you to help us get through the sleepless nights right now and the difficult years with teenagers and all the things that are ahead that we can't even imagine and all the things that we can't be for our kids. We need you to be that for us. And this is on us as a community to say, yes, I see you parents. I pray for you. I will be there for you. I see the image of God in your children and I will strive to lead and love and be the presence of God to them and through them every time I I interact with your kids. 
We commission each other to raise children who will go into the world and to be global witnesses for our just and generous God. And so this is why we are doing this campaign, this Why Forefront campaign that we keep talking about. It's why we are getting together this Thursday night to celebrate. If you haven't bought your tickets yet, buy them. This is my job to harass you all to buy your tickets, you know. Um, we want to get together and celebrate how the Spirit is working through this community, how God's presence is felt through our ministries, through our families, all the ways in which we are called as a community of individual people with different gifts and different needs and different abilities to pastor each other and to pastor our city. That's what we're going to celebrate this week. So I hope you guys will come and join us on Thursday night. Help us reach this goal to raise enough funds to do the simple work of making things happen, to keep the lights on, to pay the salaries so that we can continue to be that community that lives out this vision and this mission that we were called to so, so many years ago. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, I thank you for the gifts that you give us every day, Lord the gifts that we don't even think about every time we wake up and put our feet on the floor. Lord, I thank you for the gift of another day. God, I pray for whatever it is that each person in this room needs this morning, whatever gift they're longing for, Lord, make your spirit known in their lives. Open their eyes and their hearts to see how your presence is felt through people in their community, Lord. Allow them to find a new definition and a new love for community, God, during this ordinary time of year. Lord, I pray for our families. I pray for our babies, Lord. I pray that you would continue to allow us to celebrate and to rejoice and to be grateful together as a community. And I pray that you would continue to move through us and use us to be your presence in this world. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.